Hello, my name is Kim, and I'm the host of a new podcast in this new year called People Are Wild. Join me, your friendly neighborhood ER nurse, as I discuss medical marvels and topics with a splash of tales from the emergency department. Let's face it, our bodies are weird, so let's talk about all the wild things that they can do every week on a little thing I like to call Medutainment Mondays. That's medical entertainment smushed together, high-quality humor. That's what you have to look forward to every week. Find me on iTunes or your preferred podcast listening app. And remember, people, they're just wild. Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 36 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. The theme for today's episode is phrases that are often said incorrectly. We'll look at some sayings that have fallen victim to homophones and some that just plain get said wrong. And speaking of saying things wrong, stay tuned after the outro to hear me say stuff wrong in the blooper section, called Let Me Rephrase. Now, let's look into today's faux pas, origins, history, and more. Let's begin by wetting our appetite and wetting our whistle. The first idiom means to stimulate interest in something, and the second means to drink, and these both fall victim to the woes of homophones. The correct spelling in wet your appetite is W-H-E-T, and when you wet your whistle, you're using the W-E-T version. And I've just suddenly realized I'm going to have a lot more spelling out loud than normal in this episode, toppers. I hope that doesn't get annoying. Okay, let's continue. It's easy to see why these sayings get mixed up, because not only do they share a homophone, if you didn't know what they meant and just heard them, they sound like they'd have similar meanings. The definition of the words is what helps us here. W-H-E-T means to sharpen, and W-E-T means to dampen, so remember that when using either phrase. Since wetting your appetite means sharpening your desire for something, and wetting your whistle means to drink, and therefore dampen your mouth, it makes sense why even though they sound similar, they use different spellings. As for when they came about, people have been wetting their whistles longer than wetting their appetites, at least idiomatically. Wetting your whistle first appeared in print in one of the Townley Mastery plays, a series of 32 medieval plays based on the Bible. In one from the year 1386, we find the following quote, Had she once wet her whistle, she could sing full clear. End quote. We don't find wet your appetite in print idiomatically for another few hundred years, in 1612 to be exact. Thomas Decker, an English Elizabethan dramatist, pamphleteer, and writer, used wet your appetite in his play, If It Not Be Good, The Devil Is In It. So whether you want to sharpen or dampen, both sayings have been around a good long while. Just be careful which wet you use to make sure you're saying what you want to say. Now, let's toe the line. To toe the line means to conform to something already established. This is another saying betrayed by a homophone. The proper spelling of toe in this idiom is T-O-E, though it's often misinterpreted as the T-O-W version. Because of this, some people use this saying as a reference to the act of towing something. This isn't completely random, though, because a common nautical term for the ropes and cables on a ship 
is tow line, spelled T-O-W, as they are used for towing. However, the origin of this phrase is not nautical, and while you can T-O-W a line, if you want to use it idiomatically, then you'll have to T-O-E a line. This saying didn't come along all on its own. It had some sibling sayings, all of which appeared in the vernacular in the 19th century. The other sayings were toe the crack, toe the trig, toe the stretch, and toe the mark, and they all had to do with lining up or preparing for something, usually a sport of some kind. The most popular use for toe the line back then was to describe the act of racers lining up at a starting line, something that required them to literally put their toes on a line. The first known idiomatic use of one of these terms in writing comes from James Kirk Paulding, someone we've heard from before on the show. In 1813, he wrote The Diverting History of John Bull and Brother Jonathan under the pseudonym of Hector Bullis. He wrote, quote, He began to think it was high time to tow the mark, end quote. We find the first known use of tow the line a few years later, in 1831. It was in the January through June edition of the Edinburgh Literary Journal and was a reference to sailors having to gather on deck for punishment. It read, quote, the matter, therefore, necessarily became rather serious, and the whole gang of us being sent for on the quarter deck. We were ranged in a line, each with his toes at the edge of a plank, according to the orthodox fashion of these gregarious scoldings, technically called toe-the-line matches. End quote. Now I can say that I told you so, and with that horrible pun, let's have some cake. So... I'd be willing to bet that most people have heard the expression, you can't have your cake and eat it too. However, most people, including me until a few months ago, say this one backwards. The original version of this idiom is that you can't eat your cake and have it too. And if you consider what this idiom means, the original version makes more sense. So what is the meaning of this one? It's used to remind people that once they have used something up, they can't ever get it back. And, as I said, it makes more sense the original way. If you've already eaten your cake, you no longer have your cake. The modern way isn't as clear-cut, because if you do have your cake, you can actually eat it too. Where did this sweet saying come from, and what made it switch around? Well, I'm about to tell you. Before I do, though, here's a fun fact. Ted Kaczynski was discovered to be the Unabomber, largely due in part to the study of linguistics. He wrote this phrase the old-fashioned way in his manifesto, and the cake he couldn't have betrayed him because it helped the FBI figure out many things about the bomber, like age and where he may have studied, etc. Okay, let's go back in time. This one goes way back into old-timey times, around 194 BC. We first find the idea in print in a play called Tremunus, written by Roman playwright Titus Plautus. It was originally in Latin, and I expect this won't go well, but here goes nothing. He wrote, quote, Non tibi iliud, apari si sumus potest, end quote. This basically means if you spend something, you can't have it, the exact meaning of our cake saying. I couldn't find anything to confirm if Plautus was the guy who coined the phrase or just the first to write it down, but either way, this one is definitely old. As for when the order got all messed up, well, it really wasn't all at once. There's documented usage of the original version until at least 1940, because President Franklin D. Roosevelt used it in a speech that year. 
but the modern flip-flopped version appeared in the vernacular prior to then, and though it's hard to pin down for sure, it was likely around the middle of the 18th century when it first got switched around. As for where the swapping of order comes from, we need to look at what the word have means. It has many definitions, including to possess something, to hold or own something, to experience something, and importantly for this topic, to eat something. Because the word have can mean to, well, have something, and also to eat something, it makes sense why the original order of the saying morphed into the one we use today. Therefore, technically, either version is grammatically correct, but the original version is more metaphorical sounding, at least in my opinion. So it's really up to you if you want to eat your cake first or have it first. Now, let's look into caring less. To say that you couldn't care less means that you don't care at all about something. However, a lot of folks say this improperly as, I could care less, which implies you care at least a little because there is a smaller level of caring you could have. This is a slightly tricky subject to tackle because saying I could care less about something isn't technically grammatically incorrect. And it's not a homophone situation. It's more about people hearing something wrong, morphing the saying, and therefore technically using it wrong. It's obviously possible to care about something a little bit and have a situation where saying I could care less would be accurate. But this isn't usually the case. So why do people tend to say this one wrong? We'll get to that in a moment, but first, let's explore its origin. This one isn't old at all in comparison to some of the sayings we look at, as it's believed to have originated in 1946 as the title of a book written by an English air transport pilot named Anthony Phelps. This means its first use in print is also the believed origin, so let's turn to could care less. The Oxford English Dictionary says that the first use of the could care less version appeared in a 1966 article in the Seattle newspaper, the Seattle Post-Intelligencer. As for why this saying got all muddied up, well, one theory is ironic. I mean, the reason isn't ironic, but people say it to be ironic. In the 1990s, a Harvard professor and language writer named Steven Pinker claimed that when someone says they could care less, instead of saying they couldn't care less, they're merely trying to be ironic or sarcastic. However, other linguists say it came about merely from people speaking lazily or with a slur and just dropping the nt off of couldn't. So, while this one is somewhat up in the air as for how it got mixed up, I had to include it in this episode because it's definitely a popular saying for people to debate about which way is right. Now, let's move on to today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. Okay, toppers, today's metaphor is card sharp. To be clear, I'm saying card sharp, spelled S-H-A-R-P, not card shark, S-H-A-R-K. And this is one I never knew I was saying wrong before I started writing this episode. I always thought it was card shark, as that was the only version I'd ever heard. But this popular metaphor is about being sharp, not about being a shark. Let's pause here to go over the meaning of this metaphor. To be a card sharp means that you are skilled at playing cards, though it typically implies you're good because you cheat. It isn't always used with a negative connotation, but more often than not, it is. 
Now, this one is different than the rest of today's sayings in the sense that both versions are now accepted as completely accurate. Let's look at how we got to this point. A sharper is someone who is a cheat, a swindler, a rogue, or one who lives by his wits. And the term sharper was later shortened to sharp. So calling someone who cheats at cards a card sharp makes perfect sense. However, sharking is defined as cheating, stealing, or sponging, so calling a cheater a card shark also makes perfect sense. This is part of why both versions of this saying are now accepted as correct. They both turn up in print in the 19th century, but card sharp turns up first. We find it in 1859, penned by George Sala, an English journalist. In his work, Twice Round the Clock or the Hours of the Day and Night in London, he wrote about, quote, German swindlers and card sharpers, end quote. We find card shark first written down in 1893 in an October article in the Wisconsin newspaper, The Daily Northwestern. It says, quote, A few days ago, Charles Petrie opened a gambling house, which was promptly raided by the city police. Then Petrie got angry and swore out warrants for all the other keepers until every card shark in the city was taken in. End quote. Since both to sharp and to shark mean such similar things, and since both sayings appear in print around the same time, this phrase, while technically meant to be card sharp, can most definitely be said either way. And with that, let's go to the book for today's familiar quotation. Okay, toppers, I've got the book here, and it's opened to a page of Thomas Bailey Aldridge's work. And this is from his work, Identity. It says, Somewhere in desolate, windswept space, in twilight land, in no man's land, two hurrying shapes met face to face and bade each other stand. I guess it's some kind of strangers in the night type of thing. Or he's talking about tumbleweeds that run into each other. <laughs> That's probably not what he's talking about. Thank you, Aldridge, for today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, that's it for episode 36. Thank you for lending me your ears to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and you learned something along the way. You can connect with me and fellow language lovers on Twitter and Facebook. Just look up Turn of Phrases on either site, or go to turnofphrases.com for links and more information. If you want to send me a message or topic suggestions, you can email me which is brisky at turnofphrases.com, or use my website's contact form. My website also has details about the music I use in the show. If you had a good time listening today, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, speak carefully. Toodaloo. And now... This is... Let me rephrase. The proper spelling of toe in this idiom is T-O-E, though it's often missing...
And while you can TOW a line, if you want to use it at a... <clears throat> and the whole gang of us being sent for it... No. We first find the idea in print in a play called Trim... Nope, nope, nope. In a play called Trinumusus. Trin... Trinumus... Trinumus, that's it. Titus Platus. Plautus. Titus Plautus. The Seattle Post Intelligence. Uh. The Seattle Post Intelligencer. Intelligencer. Not Card Shark. S H A R T. That's not how you spell shark. Let's look at how we got to this point. First, we need to go over to. <clears throat> Let's look at. Ah, uh, come on. That's not. <laughs> Where was I? Butter, 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 butter. Stop it. Butter, butter. <laughs> That's not a real butter, saying. Butter, <laughs> That's not a real saying. Go away. Oh, no. Go away. <laughs> a sharper is someone who is a cheat. Swindler, rogue, <laughs> rogue. However, sparking, no. <laughs> That's the wrong word. Just look up torn of... Tor, torn. 